Hey friends! I hope you're all staying healthy and safe and comfortable and taking care of yourselves and the people and pets that are important to you. This past Friday was the last Bandcamp Friday of 2020. This year, of course, because of the pandemic, a lot of artists, especially independent artists, had a hard time making ends meet because they weren't able to tour. So what Bandcamp did, Bandcamp is a site that helps musicians sell their music and merchandise, is they waive their fees during the first Friday of every month, for the majority of months during 2020, so that the artists got every dollar spent. I, I love Bandcamp. I've discovered many new bands and artists there. Most, if not all, of the bands and artists I've spoken with on this podcast have Bandcamp profiles. I encourage you to check Bandcamp out if you haven't. I, I couldn't spend a lot of money over there this past Friday, but I gave what I could and I got some great music, and I, I felt like I helped in my own small way. And, and speaking of helping in a small way, I'd like to remind you, if you didn't already know, that you're listening to an ad-free podcast. Also, th there's no Patreon set up for this show. I I've delivered a new episode of People Are the Enemy faithfully uh, at least once a week uh, since January 1st, 2018. If you like what you hear, and if you love great fiction, and you want to do something to help support this podcast and myself monetarily, then I'd like to encourage you to peruse and purchase a novel or two. I'm the author of eight books. You can find all of them in both paperback and ebook formats worldwide at Amazon. You just type my name, Andy Mascola, into your Amazon search bar. If you don't use Amazon, you can find most of my stories in paperback format at barnesandnoble.com. I write in a variety of genres, and my books are all comparatively inexpensive. So, if you're in the market for some new literature, or maybe you're looking for a holiday gift for the book lover in your life, please consider picking up one or two of my books. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. the enemy listeners this is episode 150 of the people are the enemy podcast thank you so much for spending time with me thank you for checking this podcast out i appreciate it i think you've made a good decision uh, i'm excited because we have a guest our, our, our guest today is john robinson a lecturer in digital technologies and creator of 15people.com a blog featuring reviews of every album by the scottish musician momus uh, John recently announced that his writings covering the first 13 years of Momus's creative output will soon be available as a book titled Famous for 15 People, The Songs of Momus, 1982 to 1995. And with that, let's talk now with our guest, John Robinson. Hello, John. Are you there? Hi. How are you? Oh, it's good to talk with you, John. I, I, I Thank you so much for taking time with me. I'm a huge huge Momus fan, so for me, this is really special. As I was telling you before we started recording, I, you know, I don't I don't think I know any other Momus fans personally, so this is really a treat for me. I think it's something where 
because of the nature of him and his music, you come across it organically. You hear it on a radio station or you happen upon someone who forces you to listen to it. And it isn't going to happen any other way. Yeah, I think you're right. John, John, you and I know who Momus is, but there may be people listening who don't. Uh, I, if you don't mind, I was hoping you could you could give a short description of Momus and talk about how you, you discovered his music. Okay, so Momus, his real name is Nicholas Curry. Um, he was born in 1960 in Paisley, which is a town in Scotland. Um, when he was quite young, his, his father worked for the British Council, which meant that he travelled a lot. So Nicholas also travelled. He lived for a while in Greece. He lived in Canada. And then he came back to Scotland. Of course, he was in Scotland then as a young person around the late 70s, early 80s. And he got involved with the music scene there. So he's a musician. Um, and his first sort of musical endeavour was with members of a Scottish band called Joseph, uh, Joseph K. Um, they released one album together under the name of The Happy Family. That didn't really set the world on fire. So Nicholas went solo. Uh, some of the members of that band went on to form a Scottish band called Orange Juice, which ultimately featured the singer Edwin Collins. Okay, and uh, Nicholas went on to record solo under this name of Momus from 1985, 84, 85-ish. Now, Momus is a classical god of mockery and satire. And I think what he saw himself as initially was a sort of singer-songwriter in the folk style, in the folk idiom, but satirical and talking about sexual politics as well. And his first couple of albums follow that sort of format, but then in the later 80s, mid to late 80s, he, went, he moves into a sort of brand of pop music, following, I think he'd call the style of the Pet Shop Boys. Now, that was his biggest sort of attempt at actually hitting the charts in the United Kingdom. Went fairly well, but not well enough, perhaps. In 1990, his album, Hippopotamomus, um, got a zero out of ten ranking from the New Musical Express, or NME, in the UK. Music Press kind of turned on his commercial output at that point, and he kind of moved into more of being a producer or a songwriter. He was especially called upon to write songs for Japanese artists, French artists, mainly women singers, and this became quite uh, successful for him. So from the mid-90s, that was what he was best known as. He became, sort of forward, he became quite a major figure in the Japanese music scene. Following that, he lived in America for a year, produced an album there, and since then, he's sort of hopped around, lived in Japan for a while, lived in Europe, moved between various places, and has continued to produce albums in very many musical styles, mostly experimental, really, since 2000, and continues to do so. Now, in the last year, hitting 60 years old, he's produced an album during um, self-isolation, well, during lockdown, called Vivid, which is all about COVID and its effects on society. And that's where... That's the last release. He's also released a memoir called Niche, which is about his time in the music industry and his recording career, which kind of ties in with what I've been doing, which is 
coincidentally creating this that uh, goes through his entire output. Very nice. Thank you, John. I, and I wanted to ask about that that output. John, with, with your 15 People project, you do a deep dive into every Momus album, including descriptions of the cover art, what was going on that year in terms of Momus's career and the, the music world in general. As well, you do a, a deconstruction of every song on, on that album. Uh, this, is, this is quite a commitment, John, to the discography of one artist. Had you previously ever attempted something like this with any other artists or pop cultural ephemera? Um, no. <laughs> I think it's the easiest way to say to answer that. I think, let's say, Momus was born in 1960, so in about 1990, okay, so he'd have been 30. I think that's about the first time I heard anything by him. And it was only because it was late night radio, well, evening late night radio, I had one track by him, and that got me into his sound, and then I started listening to his albums where I could find them, which wasn't particularly easy at that point. You couldn't just look on the internet. You had to order them and hope they were there. But he's always been an artist that I've followed, mainly because of how unpopular he seemed to have been at that point. I, I find it very interesting that someone so talented could have not hit the big time. Um, so when I came to be thinking of what I wanted to do a website about when I was trying to learn how to use, in particular, the uh, WordPress and Wix platforms. It just occurred to me it might be fun to write something in depth about a particular artist, and he's one that came to me. Partly because he's been going for so long, there's easily 40 albums to talk about, maybe more. I've never dared to actually count them up because I think it would make me cry. But, you know, I started off just the general sort of bit of information about this particular artist, and then I realised as I was writing it that um, it was getting more and more in depth. Yes, you know. I think what I find interesting is that each of his albums, because all of his albums are in different styles, he hardly sticks to the same style from one album to the next, especially in his first sort of twenty years of output. And because of that, there's, there's a very strong link between what's going on in the music scene and culturally and in the world at each album and what he's writing about and what his music sounds like. And I find it very interesting to link those things together. So when I talk about each of the albums and I talk about each of the songs, it's not just about the album and it's not just about the song. It's about what's going on in the world at the time. It's about what's going on in culture at the time. Sometimes what's going on in my life at the time, if I can remember. And um, it also links together. But if you read this website and if you're going to read this book, it's not just about, this is the thing, it's not just about moments. Right on. So when, when I thought to write about moments, it's, it's not just the artist, it's the idea of someone who's, who's spanned such a long period of time. For sure, for sure. I, I meant to ask, John, the, the first, and I'm not sure if this was, um, I'm, I'm not sure why this was, but I noticed that the first entry of the 15 People blog is dated 2015. And then it jumps. Yeah, because I, Go ahead. I think what happened was I set up a website, an account with Wix. Yes. Probably at that time. But it's just got that date on it. Oh, okay. Okay. And then it jumps but to I, 2020. I didn't actually even use it for three years. <laughs> the, the need to suddenly learn how to use it. Very good. Very good. The, the details. It, it doesn't signify anything. I hadn't started doing anything about it at that point. I, I wanted to ask you about the details included. You mentioned that 
you know, it's, it's an overall view of what was happening in the world at that time. And the details that you include uh, on each entry regarding things that were happening on a very personal level for Momus at that time of each of his uh -huh. albums release are well documented on your blog. How are you able to procure this this very specific these very specific life occurrences? Well, this is the thing. Momus himself is uh, I think I describe him as a digital hoarder. If you go on his website, he's got his website pages backed up from the late the mid nineties, I think, onward. So if you want to know anything that's going on in his life at any point, you really just have to go to imom.com and find the old web pages that are from that time. And he blogged continually, so and he talked about very personal things. So a lot of information that I needed from that point, at any rate, from the early nineties, is just there. You know, he's a very much an open book. He's even published on his website and electronically, I think, not in print. He's even published diaries that he wrote when he was um, a teenager. Yes, I, yes, you're, you're uh, correct. So there's an awful lot of information that he's just put out there. Um, although if I need to know anything factual, to be fair, I, I will just ask him. Very good, very good. And he's been helpful as far as that is concerned? Oh, he has been. I mean, he's never um, told me not to put something because he disagreed with it or, you know, said you're talking a lot of rubbish about that. But he has, he's corrected things where I've made a factual error or um, given me extra information where I asked for it. Very good, very good. I know you'd had initial contact. I think I remember reading on one of the entries that you'd reached out to Momus uh, via uh, an address and were subsequently... Yeah kind of in communication with him and were, were, you were able to you were able to get a, a, a VHS copy of a, a live performance or something is that correct? That's I mean you have to remember no at the time sort of mid 90s by that time any um, goodwill should we say that Radio 1 or any major radio stations had for his work had kind of gone and he was very much an obscure artist, so in order to contact him at all, in order to reach any kind of fan base, it really had to be by mail at that point. And he did put his he did put his mail address, his physical mail address, on Hippopotamomus, saying, please send any complaints to this, <laughs> this address. Um, which was reasonable, because most people listening to Hippopotamomus, would, which is one of his albums, would probably have complaints. <laughs> you know, it's, firstly, it's called Hippopotamomus, and secondly, it does have quite a lot of um, sexualized lyrics on it, and, and he sort of decided to, well, what's, what's the right word, take action before other people took action. I see. <laughs> That's an address on those people's rights. So you're... As well, of course, with email addresses. Because he was quite early in adopting email communication and joining news that groups. Yes. So you're in, in your initial communication to Momus, it, it, what, I assume it was not a complaint. It was probably more complimentary. Would that be... Oh, no. I, I was being fairly complimentary. I think the first thing I asked him about when I was at university was whether he could send me a kettle because my kettle had broken. <laughs> he never did. Yeah. <laughs> An electric kettle... Uh, uh, Americans don't seem to have electric kettles. We're told Americans don't have electric kettles, you know, in this country. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, you know we've got one, but it's it's not it's not a common thing. No, for sure you have to be a real tea lover <laughs> to uh, to have an electric kettle. Yeah, Co the coffee pot, well, electric ele coffee pots are much more common for sure. Right. Well, electric kettles are absolutely vital in the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. I have to say, not, but obviously for tea, it has to be boiling water. You see, you can't you can't make tea with not boiling water, and you can't use a microwave. Good God, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So for a student, a kettle is really important. You've also got um, sort of noodle pots that you need to use boiling water for, and that's all you eat when you're a student. So um, when that broke, I immediately thought of Nomus. as <laughs> being the only person who could help and wrote to him. But yeah, he also sold a... I'm not sure if it was an advert. I'm not sure where I'd have seen this advert, but he did sell a live video to people. Very I, cool. Do you still have that VHS tape? Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it to that. Um, you know, things have been moved about a bit over the last 25 years. Somewhere. <laughs> That's the best answer I can give you for that. I don't think I'd have thrown it out. But it will be somewhere. Very cool. Lodged, you know. And then after that, yeah, I was in contact with him a few times. He, oh, he was on news groups. Um, and he did communicate by email. I remember him talking to my first wife, and he chatted up my first wife. He asked her to go and have a coffee with him. Aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, by email. Yes, did she take him um, up on that offer? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. But she's my first wife, so, you know, my knowledge <laughs> on what she did afterwards is so <laughs> John, one one feature think, of your of your post. Oh, I'm sorry, John. Go ahead, please. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no. I think she lives in Australia now, and I don't think Momus goes to Australia much. So I don't think that would work. Uh huh. Uh huh. John, one feature of your post that I enjoy is is your description of the album cover art. You often get exceedingly detailed in terms of uh, the the colors chosen, the fonts used, and how the overall tone of the artwork is a reflection of the music on that album. Do you come from a design background, or had you been an art critic previously? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I had some art reading behind me, I suppose. I'm not an artist in, a, in that sense, and I didn't do art at university or college. But I was a web designer, and the kind of craft involves, I suppose, creative design but in electronic media. So I've got an interest in that. The, I, I'm very interested in album design as an art, but as a hobby sort of thing, rather than me being any good at it myself. So I just, I think basically what I've done there is I've created an enormous rod for my own back in that I must have described an album in very, uh, or an album cover in detail at some point. Now I feel obliged to do it for all of them, which means that... <laughs> I have to find out everything I can about the design of the album. No, I think you. I think you do a Sometimes good job. Sometimes that comes. That, that can be very tricky. I mean, I, I spent a long time trying to find out what keyboards are on the ping pong album, for instance. There's, oh. there's a couple of analog keyboards on the ping shown on the ping pong album. There's a, a virtual. There's a touch screen display, a very old one. I spent ages trying to find out what they were so I could put the right model number. That's important. Yes. Yes, I was going to say I'm looking. I'm looking at a picture now of the American cover of um, Little Red Songbook, and I think on that yeah, I, I, I mean, know on that cover, Red Songbook's cover. Oh. The, the well, the American version. He, I think he's holding a Moog 
on there. It's like a, a mini Moog or something. Yeah. Is it Moog or Moog, though? Oh, yeah. The good point, yeah. Well, I've, I've heard it both ways, but I think I think Robert pronounced it Moog, so I think you're right. I think it's mm, Moog. I think he said Moog. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Yeah. But it's one of those words that you only ever see written down, and then when someone actually says it, you... One of those words that you... Until a certain point in life, you've only seen it written down because no one ever talks about these things. And then you finally get into a conversation with someone about it and you come to a grinding halt because you think, I don't know how we actually pronounce that. I, I know. I remember <laughs> seeing I remember seeing at least parts of a documentary on Robert Moog and I think it was pronounced Moog through the whole the whole thing, if I remember yeah. correctly. John, well, you know. Yeah. Moog, Moog. We know well, what it's talking about. Something that moves on it adapts, so you've got to change things. For sure. I think the thing about Moog is to understand... Uh, he's clearly a genius in terms of his ability to craft songs, words, and uh, he writes some very good pop music. He, he's someone who I think has decided at some point he wasn't going to play the game of music industry, but if you want to hear the most interesting, challenging, innovative music and lyrics, then he's the person to listen to. Absolutely. Absolutely concur. And entertaining, for sure. John, I, I wanted to I'm ask. I wanted to ask about the forthcoming book, Fifteen People: The Songs of Momus, 1982 to 1995, which will be available in October of 2021 from Zero Books. How did the book deal um, come come about, John? Um, you can pre-order it now. Okay. On, um, on you know that website. And <laughs> okay. Well, we'll, we'll include a link for the listeners so that they can do that for sure. Loads of websites. Yes, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure which one's in America, but I know which one's it's available on in Britain. I tried to I tried to find the book. Anyway. I tried to find the book on on Goodreads, which is uh, I'm I'm not sure if it's a, a site that that you're familiar with, but it's a, a way to basically keep track of books mm -hmm. you're reading and your friends are reading. There there was another book uh, titled uh, "Famous for Fifteen People" on there, believe it or not. That might well be. It was I think it was a I think it was a poetry book, uh, but but I I wanted to mention. Uh, the book deal and, and and how did it happen to come about? Did they happen to reach out to you, or were you looking for somebody to uh, to take on the task of, of compiling all this? In, uh, in oh a no, not at all. Edition? I mean, I've been every time I've done an entry on this blog, I've put it on Facebook, I've put it on Twitter, and uh, copied Nick Curry into it. Nick Curry has a lot of followers on Facebook and a certain number on Twitter. He doesn't maintain the Twitter one that much, but Facebook definitely. And uh, he's one who sort of shared the blog entries himself. And um, as time has gone on, he's, he sort of, sort of started saying, I see this being a book one day. Uh, he seems to have a desire to, for it to be a book. So um, eventually this became a sort of chorus because someone else called Rob Thomas, who writes the Zero books as well, uh, said, yeah, I think Zero books would be a good fit for that, uh, which... Nick agreed with, and uh, Rob put me in touch with the head of Zero Books, who is Douglas Lane, and together they—I I got a proposal together for the website, and went from there. Fantastic! Well, congratulations. That's really, really exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. Do you? Do you have? I think. A... I think to be fair, Nick Curry. I think to be fair, Nick Curry as a kind of a. It helps his own book, too. He's got his own book out at the moment called Niche, which is his memoir. Yes. Mentioned earlier, which is fascinating. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, have you read that? Have you read that? I, I read it. Um, yeah. And I reviewed it. He writes it. about his own life, but he writes each sort of 
speaks of his own life in the style of a different author. Yes. Yes, it's it's fantastic. It's so original the way it's written. I think it's it's written in a way that it would be entertaining to to any fans of, of literature in general. I think oh, absolutely, it's, it's brilliant. It's you, brilliant. You don't necessarily have to know who um, Momus is to to enjoy that book, and I think that's particularly clever, especially you know when talking about how esoteric uh, his work is to to many folks. Yeah, I recommend his memoir. Absolutely. Anyone. Same here. Just, just I, I anyone who likes literature, it's just a, it's a brilliant exercise. It, 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 um, he's taken it as something, I, th I think he's perhaps aware, but it's got to be interesting beyond the audience of his fans. So it, it's become something that just, it won't get recognised as much as it should, let's put it that way. For sure, for sure. And I think, and especially for an artist like like Momus, who, who puts an, uh, an an original or tries to put an original spin on everything he does, whether it's throwing karaoke versions of his songs at the end of one of his albums or creating song Absolutely. portraits as he does with, did with stars forever. Uh, you, you would expect that, that his memoir wouldn't be any different in terms of um, coming at it from an original angle. And I, I think that's what makes part of his work so special. Um, you know, my, my own book, I'm hope <laughs> is also, it's about moments, obviously, but I think you could read it and enjoy it even if you didn't know anything about moments or want to know anything about moments. I think it's quite interesting and funny and... and no, I think I think you're a very good writer, and I, I I think I agree. I, I'd encourage folks to check out fifteenpeople.com, and and if you love Momus, it's fantastic. If you don't know who Momus is, it's still fantastic. As uh, John's writing is uh, very very good, and and Momus has lived a, a tremendously interesting life. <laughs> so so it's there's a lot there to uh, to to um, to uncover. So it, it's great, John. I, I wanted to ask you one last question. Did do you have a favorite Momus album from the period uh, the book will cover, from 1982 to, to 1995? Do you, which which of I and I say favorite Momus album? I I suppose I I, I don't include um, the Happy Family's work or Joseph K. Uh, I'm sp speaking specifically of a Momus title. Oh no, I don't include the Happy Family anyway. I mean, it's okay. That's what it is. Should I leave it at that? Um, <laughs> My favourite album from that period would probably be... Ooh, that's a difficult one. I think The Ultra Conformist. Really? Uh, yeah. I'm, it's, it's the album where he's really kicking against the establishment. He's really saying, I'm not, not going to uh, conform to what the music industry wants at the moment. It's, uh, it feels like, even if it wasn't, it feels like a reaction to how people reacted to Hippopotamomus and... Um, it's kind of uh, drawing a line under his stab at becoming a star of any kind. And I like musical, and I like that style, I like cabaret style, and um, yeah, I think it's that one. Very good, very good. The ultra conformist. So maybe that's a place that listeners uh, of this podcast who aren't familiar well, no, with Momus start. It's not a place to start. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't start with that one. <laughs> uh, if someone's going to start with Momus, <laughs> I would say you want to be listening to the, the albums which are considered to be his best from that, the period we're talking about are Don't Stop the Night, which is very commercial sounding. Don't listen to the lyrics too closely. <laughs> and uh, the album called Tender Pervert. Very good. Very good. 
John, uh, this Tender is, Pervert this is considered to be his best. It contains a song called Bishonen, which is, is one of the best songs of its genre written. Yes, absolutely. And, um, you need to listen to that one first. Yes, absolutely. Bishonen is a is a landmark uh, moment for sure in his career and uh, mm-hmm. an epic, epic song. John, this has been so special. I really appreciate you taking time to talk with me today. Fine. Thank you very much for inviting me on, Andy. You're welcome. You're welcome. This has been episode 150 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, John Robinson. We love you. Peace. Thank you.